0: I want you to notice with me Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, and I'll read from the English Standard Version. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now that's a high bar. (laughs) None of us will ever be perfect in the sense of being flawless. Over the years, I've known many Christians, uh, some who were used by God in very Uh, amazing ways were powerfully anointed, and yet not one of them was perfect. They all had some shortcoming. They all had some uh, failing or some defect. I'm just curious, do we have any perfect Christians here this evening? Can you raise your hand? We'll go ahead and give the altar call now and get you saved because you're a liar. (laughs) No, every one of us falls short. However, in this life, We can we can become more mature spiritually and exhibit a greater degree of Christ-like character. And the Greek word perfect in this verse uh, is the word teleos, teleos, and it actually means to be complete. That's interesting. To be complete. Uh, The Weymouth translation says this: complete in goodness. Hmm. The Wiest translation says this, complete in your character. Hmm. That's marvelous. So that means it's possible for you and I to be incomplete in goodness and incomplete in character. But we need to move toward completion. Notice this Scripture with me, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I'll read from the Passion translation. The one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's important that you and I realize that the new birth is not the end of God's work in our life. Actually, that's the beginning, and God is not finished with you yet. He is in the process of perfecting you. He is molding you and shaping you to become more and more like Jesus, more and more like himself, amen? And the work that he is doing after you get saved, that continuing process is just as important as the work he did when you got saved at your conversion, amen? So the Christian life is one of continual advancement, We should not stay where we are. We should not remain stagnant. God wants us to move from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Amen? Praise the Lord. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 25, Paul said this. By the Holy Ghost, Paul said, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Sitting in a prison cell under confinement by the Romans, Paul contemplated his own death. In fact, he longed to be with the Lord, to leave this world, but he decided to stay and to live on, that he might help the Philippians, help these believers to advance, to develop in faith, and enjoy. So he could have said, well, you know, these people are all saved and that's all that matters. They've prayed the prayer or I know that they're born again. So that's all that matters. Let me just go on to heaven. But no, he said, no, 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 no. No, he who began a good work in them will continue to perfect it until the day that Jesus Christ, and that's why he wants me to stay, to help them in the perfecting process. The aim of this progression is to become more like the Father by having godly character. We should be improving each day, actually, isn't it? We should be a better believer today than we were yesterday. It would be a sad thing if you look back on your old, pictures, you know, on social media or whatnot, and you thought to yourself, oh, yeah, back there in 1997, I'm telling you, that's when I was really on fire for God. Oh, yes, back then in 1970, oh, I'm telling you, that's when I was, re- I knew the Lord then. I mean, I really knew the Lord then. No, 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 you're, you're digressing. You should be progressing. You should be coming better, not bitter. As you grow older, don't grow colder. Amen. Hallelujah. So we want to talk about more about godly character. It may not be your favorite topic, but it's, we're not tickling your ears. We're nourishing your spirit. Character is a word that describes the qualities and tendencies of a person's nature. It's a word that describes the qualities of your nature, who you are as a person. Now, All of the elements in nature, all of matter, has certain characteristics which distinguish it from other elements. I mean, you know that. For example, water. Okay, water is a colorless, tasteless, odorless, except in Nagaland, odorless liquid that freezes at zero degrees Celsius and boils at 100 degrees Celsius. And you know what, it really doesn't matter whether you're talking about Japanese water or, you know, uh, Nepali water or uh, American water, African water. It really doesn't matter. Water is water. If it's water, it has these characteristics. It's not like, well, the water, you know, in, uh, in Calcutta is wet, but the water, you know, in South America is dry. You no, know, water, all water is wet. Amen. Hallelujah! The only reason there would be a difference would be if there were some other elements, some other items that were mixed in with that water. So maybe in one location, the water has a high mineral content, so that might alter the color of the water. Here in Nagarjan, there's a high level of iron in the water, so it has to be filtered because if we don't filter it, you know, all the pipes, you know, are leaking, rusty color, and I guess everybody would have gallstones or something like that. So we have to filter that, that iron out. See, if you drink the water in you don't need to take an iron pill, vitamin. You know, it's already in the water. But so we have to filter that out, you know, to be useful. Now, the nature of God, hallelujah, is in every born-again Christian has the nature of God in his spirit. And as we allow that inward nature to dominate the way we live, there will be the evidence of these certain characteristics, the character of God, the fruit of the Spirit. And when we live that way habitually, if it's our our common practice and everyday way of life, that's called character. That's character, amen? But this nature of God, this eternal life, is in your spirit, not in your flesh, not in your body. So what happens is often there is a mixture. There's some American mixed in with the living water. There is some Nepali mixed in. There's some Naga mixed in with that living water. So we need to renew our minds. We need to control our flesh, subdue our flesh. We need to filter out those other elements so that we can be more useful in God's kingdom. Right? Some people, you meet them, they're Christians, and oh, the refreshing living water flowing from them is wonderful, but there is this little bad smell. That's their flesh mixed in with it. Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. Ask the person next to you after we dismiss, and they'll explain it to you. Praise the Lord. So we cannot overestimate. See, like some people have a hot temper. They have hot temper, and they say, oh, that's just my Irish. <laughs> You know, Irish people are said to have a hot temper, you know, get really upset. Oh, that's just my sema. You know, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no. We need to, we need to filter that out. We need, the, we need to have the nature of God flowing through us all the time. Amen. We cannot overestimate the importance of having godly, good godly character. Billy Graham once said this, when money is lost, nothing is lost. Now, I know a lot of people would disagree with that, but if you look at the big picture, that's true. I mean, some people would kill somebody for five bucks, but actually, when money is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. Amen? That's really true. So, you know, think about that. When it comes to health, you know, some people are very conscious about that. If they get sick or something, they're not doing well. I mean, they would, you know, they would do whatever it takes, whatever m- uh, medicine or treatment, you know, is required. They'll do it. They, they're going to really take care of their health, right? And then when it comes to money, of course, we already know that, you know, some people in Nagaland would sell their grandmother for a buck. I mean, you know, they will definitely do whatever it takes, you know, to hold on to that money, but they don't value character, that's not, uh, you know, so what? That's not so important him. So that's the opposite of the way God thinks. Amen? So in other words, if you said, oh, God, I made a bad investment and I lost 20 lakhs. And God would say, well, you know, I'm sorry about that. But what I'm really thinking about is how you lost your character. Testing, one, two, three. Testing one two three. Is this on? Hallelujah! God is more impressed with your character than your talent or your good looks. I realize you are an exceptionally good-looking group of people, but you'll understand. In First Peter chapter three verse four, it says this: "But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty." Of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious, very precious in God's sight, which in God's sight is very precious. Actually, he wrote to wives, but it's not just for wives, it's, it's actually true for anybody. The Greek word for adorning, lecture adorning, this is the Greek word cosmos, and it means order, arrangement. And from the word cosmos, we derive the word cosmetic or cosmetics. So Peter said we should make it a point to look better on the inside than we do on the outside. In other words, it's not enough to spray. You also need to pray. (laughs) Some women and some men spend a lot of time fixing up the outside, arranging the order, cosmos. And that's fine. We appreciate it. <laughs> but we should spend even more effort, give more import to arranging and keeping the condition of our heart looking good. I mean, you can look good on the outside too. That's fine. I think God will help you in that department. He will beautify the meek with salvation. I mean, we don't have to look ugly. Being ugly doesn't make you spiritual. But, but we should focus. The greater, the greater thing is how we look on the inside because that's what God sees. And there are some people who look really hot on the outside and really not on the inside. Just like brother, um, no, never mind. Anyway, so, (laughs) amen. Character. Character is seen in the choices we make in life. So, see, I can see how you look by your hairdo and your, you know, your, your smile and your figure, that type of thing. But your character is seen in the choices you make in life. Character is doing what is right, even when no one else is looking. So almost everybody has good character on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I said almost. (laughs) But that's not really the defining test of character. It's what happens, you know, when you're all alone. Now, when I was a teenager, which was a long time ago in the last century, when I was a teenager, I had an afternoon job Uh, delivering newspapers, the newspaper company in our city uh, would drop off a large bundle of newspapers every day at a certain time, and I would uh, take my bicycle, uh, ride to that place, fold the newspapers, and put them in a basket that was attached to my bicycle, drive around my neighborhood, and I threw the newspapers, and they landed uh, at the front door of all the customers who were subscribed to that newspaper, okay? And so, but one day, the newspaper company, for some reason, you know, they they shorted me. They didn't give me all the newspapers I was supposed to get. I was like, I don't remember the number, but like 10 newspapers short, so uh, that's, that's a problem. The, the, the people will complain to me. They'll call me on the phone and call my, our house and complain. I didn't get my newspaper. So my, I told my mother, and my mother gave me some money to go to the, uh, a local convenience store and buy the extra newspapers that I was missing. So I went to the store, and there was a, a large metal box that was on the sidewalk, And so I first put in one coin. It was like a 25-cent piece, you know, in America, a quarter of a dollar. And I put it in the slot, and the door opens. And then I realized, well, they just have a stack of newspapers inside that box. I thought it would just, like, push one newspaper out, but it was just, they were just, the whole stack was there. So I thought, well, I need 10, so I took all 10. And then I shut the door. So, I delivered the extra newspapers, the 10 that, that I bought with the 25 cent piece. I came home, and then I gave my mother the leftover money, the change, because she gave me more than that. I thought I was being honest by give, returning to her the leftover change. And she asked me, Wait a minute, what's this extra money for? And I explained to her, Well, the door opened and they were all there, so I just took what I needed and shut the door. Well, she was furious. She accused me of stealing. I figured since the newspaper company cheated me, I could return the favor. That would be, we're even now. She didn't see it that way. She made me, she forced me to go ride my bicycle back to that convenience store and put in the money for every newspaper that I took without taking any more newspapers. So I put in another coin, opened the door, didn't take a newspaper and shut it. Put another coin, I did that 10 times. Ten times, just open, shut, tap, open, shut. I don't know, bystanders must have thought I had lost my mind. I was gone insane or something like that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, some mothers would have commended their sons for being very clever. Good boy, you saved mama's money. But my mother had character. And because of that, she wanted her son to have character. She didn't want me to be a character. And she expected me to live by a higher standard than other people. Jesus expects us to live by a higher standard. So don't say to God, hey, everybody's doing it. You're not everybody. Amen. He wants you to live, Jesus wants you to live by the standard of our heavenly father to be complete in goodness and character. Amen. Let's look at another scripture. Matthew 5:48 we it's actually the same scripture but let's read this in the amplified classic version. The middle of the verse says that we should be growing into complete maturity. Growing into complete maturity. See, it's kind of sad when you stop growing. When you stop growing physically, that's a problem isn't it? It would be terrible if you're 30 years old and you're still like you know the size of kindergarten. It'd be terrible. Right? It'd be terrible if you're 40 years old and you're still sitting on your mother's lap in church like he never he never grew beyond that. He's a 40-year-old baby. That would be a terrible thing, right? I'd feel sorry for someone like that. Well, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, but spiritually you we should be growing. Developing. Amen. Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. Notice he uses the word integrity. There can be no godly character without integrity. That's a really important thing, integrity. Integrity means that you are true to your word. It means you are honest and trustworthy. It is troubling, it is deeply troubling how many Christians have low integrity or even no integrity. Of course, they don't usually come on a Wednesday night, so you're safe. (laughs) Amen. Many Christians make promises they never intend on keeping. One pastor in America said to me years ago, next year... We definitely want you to come and preach in our church. So the next year I contacted him. And he said, well, we can't do it this year. But absolutely next year we'll do it again. So I, I, the following year I contacted him again. He said, oh, you know, we've had some trouble this year. A lot of things happening. But I'm telling you, the next year where I just stopped talking to him. I didn't contact him anymore. Why? Low integrity. I preached in a conference that was held in a local church. And after we dismissed the meeting, uh, some of us gathered together for dinner in one of the back fellowship halls. And as we were just you know, milling about speaking to one another, one pastor came up to me and he said, wow, that was a wonderful message. And he said, uh, when I go back to my home church, I'm going to send you an offering for $1,000. You know, that would be like 70,000 rupees, I guess, right? And I thought, oh, praise the Lord. Well, I'm still waiting. <laughs> if you're online and you're watching this, I'm still waiting. <laughs> now, in Psalm 15, verse 1, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Who may worship in, the sanctu- in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence, On your holy hill. So he's asking a question What does God require of those who desire a greater reality of his presence? Because he's actually referring to like the tabernacle or the temple. And so then the psalmist David, from verse 2 onwards, lists some of the requirements or the characteristics of those who abide in God's presence. And we can read them. But in verse 4, one of the characteristics, of a person who can stand, who can abide in God's presence is they keep their promises even when it hurts. Notice that expression, even when it hurts. A lot of people keep their promises only when it's convenient. Oh, I'm sorry, I was going to do that, but something came up. Well, then you're going to be far from God's presence because that's not how your heavenly Father is. I mean, when was the last time you prayed, Lord, I need a miracle? And God says, I'm sorry, I was going to do that, but something came up. <laughs> Amen? Notice this scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. It is better that you should not make a vow than that you should vow and not pay. So a promise made is a debt unpaid. If you are a person of integrity, you should not be quick to speak. You should not be careless in your words because you realize that when you, say, when you make a commitment, you are obligating yourself, right? Right? Amen. Don't say, I'll be praying for you. Even online. Even you know, in a text message or SMS. Don't say that unless you plan on doing it. Brothers and sisters, my mother's very sick. Can you pray for her? We'll be praying for her. Yeah, we're praying for you. You lion dog you. That's low integrity. That's low integrity. Sometimes people send me prayer requests. I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes people send me prayer requests. Please pray for me. I have this and this and this. And I, 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 because of the situation, I know I can't just pray for them. And I'll just give them a Bible verse like, this is what you need to stand on. This is what you need to stand on. And many times they'll say, oh, thank you. That's what I need. Sometimes they're just saying, somebody help me. And that's so I responded, giving them the word. Amen. Then again, you know, the pastor in many a church will ask, all right, we have some work to do tomorrow morning. We have to clean the compound. We have to paint the wall. How many of you will be available tomorrow to help us? You know, several people raised their hand. Oh, great, 30 people. Then two people show up the next day. Low integrity. Low integrity. Integrity means being honest. Gee, that's a novel idea. Let's be honest. <laughs> Again, God's more impressed with your character than even your gifting. I mean, what's the point of, oh, we have miracles in our meeting, signs and wonders and demonstrations. What does it matter if you're a liar? Hmm? You know, we've, we've, people have coined the phrase evangelistically speaking. They stretch the truth. Oh, thousands and thousands of people came to our conference. Well, actually, it was 200. That's not thousands and thousands. (laughs) Multitudes were healed and delivered. Actually, one lady was healed of a headache. (laughs) A man came up to D.L. Moody once and said, I I need help that God would cure me or deliver me from exaggeration. (laughs) Moody said, well, let's begin by calling it by its proper name. Lying, hallelujah, don't exaggerate, especially just to make yourself look really good. Be honest, amen, if you keep crying wolf, no one will believe you anyways, just speak the truth. Proverbs 14, verse five, Proverbs 14, verse five, a faithful witness does not lie, But a false witness breathes out lies. I like the way that's translated, and that's a correct translation. So in a courtroom, you know, in a trial, a lawyer will cross-examine a witness. You know, like, here comes a witness for the defense, and he'll tell what he saw, what he experienced, that type of thing. So then the other attorney will come and cross-examine him. He'll ask him more questions. He'll probe a little deeper. He's looking for some contradiction in his testimony. When people are honest, they don't keep changing their story. So when when Monday somebody says, it was like this, and then Tuesday they say, no, it was like that, and then Wednesday the same person was like that, we know low integrity. Amen. Amen. When you are honest, you are consistent in what you say. A faithful witness speaks clearly and plainly. When people obfuscate, you know what that means? Obfuscate, probably not. When they intentionally make things unclear, when they make it muddled and, 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 and not transparent, it's because they're trying to hide something. When you ask them a simple question, you know, did you take this money or, or, or did you do this? And they say, see, the thing was, the other day the wind was blowing from the north and, you know, and the stars were shining and then we know they're lying. Because when you're honest, you can just very simply, straightforward, give the answer. A false witness can lie as easily as breathing. In other words, he doesn't even have to try. How many of you are working really hard to breathe right now? I, I hope none of you have that problem, right? You're not like saying, pray for me. <sighs> I'm, come on, you can do it. No, I, I hope that nobody is having that problem right now. You don't even think about it. It just, it just happens involuntarily. I didn't even realize I was breathing. And that's how some people are. I didn't even realize I was lying. <laughs> how can we tell when some people are lying? Their lips are moving. They always lie. One study says the average person tells 25 lies a day. Now, you might take comfort in that, but you're not an average person. You are a child of God. How many lies are acceptable? Well, you know, once in a while. No, 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 no. It's never acceptable. It is never acceptable to tell a lie. And if we tell a lie, we need to stop and say, wait a minute. Uh Uh-oh, I'm wrong. I just told a lie. Everybody beside you will just jaw will drop down to the ground but you just say I repent. That's 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 not true. Or if you if you if you start to exaggerate and you realize, wait a minute, stop and say, well actually that's not really true. People might look at you funny, but that's 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 developing integrity. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I've met some Christians so-called Christians, I suppose, who not only could lie, they could do so with great ease. They were very skillful liars. They were not novices. They were not amateurs. They were professional liars. They didn't even blush. They can tell a real whopper, And you know, if I did that, my cheeks would be red, my face would be red, you'd see steam coming off my head, you know, like that. And they just look so calm and cool and very convincing. And yet, I've known that what they're saying is hogwash, it's rubbish, it's a complete lie. They're not just mistaken, they're trying to deceive. Hallelujah. I've had people. This, has, this doesn't happen all the time, but I remember one time somebody came into my office. This was a long time ago, so I'm not thinking of anybody here, so don't relax, okay? But I, but I remember a long time ago when we were in the La Paloma Theater, the movie theater, you know? Somebody came in my office, and he was talking about this and that and the other. And while he was talking, the Holy Spirit said to my, whispered to my heart, still small voice, he's lying to you. And I thought, hmm. I didn't say anything. I just smiled and said, okay, thank you, and let him go. But God, God, God knows if you're lying. And you know, he, he didn't say He won't tell anybody. He might tell everybody. <laughs> Amen. Be honest in business. There's nothing quite like getting cheated by a businessman who has a little fish on his business card. You know, like a little Christian symbol of a fish. A little cross on his business card. That stinks. I really hate it when people really flaunt their spirituality to really camouflage their corruption. That stinks. Don't be like that. Be honest. I would rather do business with an honest sinner than a lying Christian. Amen. Amen. It's real quiet today. I guess you're thinking... You don't want to say amen too loud? I understand that. (laughs) Do you know that even a crook likes to do business with an honest man? Even gangsters, mafia people, they like to do business with honest people. So be honest. In the business world, and I mean, you know, some of you are working in different facets, but in the business world, if you are really honest, godly honesty, you'll stand out from the crowd that'll make a difference. Amen. Hallelujah. Lies spread like cancer. We tell one lie and then we have to tell another lie to cover up the first lie. And then we have to tell a third lie to cover up the second lie. And on and on it goes. It is exhausting to be a liar it is really exhausting. You're up. You can't sleep at night thinking about what am I going to say tomorrow when he comes here. What am I going to say there? And, blah, 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 blah. And, you, and and when you're honest, you don't have to be so clever. Like, hmm. Oh, if I said this, he'll think that. And you don't have to be so clever. You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes. You can just you can just just state the truth plainly. Amen. I said, Amen. Any man. (laughs) In Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Now, some Christians think that God judged Ananias because he didn't pay his tithe. No, that's not true, read the story. He died because he lied. He died because he lied, see? And if you read this story carefully, Ananias never actually said a word. We don't have any record of what he verbally said. But he intentionally gave the wrong impression by his actions. So even if you are mum, Your actions can lie. See there, okay. Those of you who have sold your land and want to give the proceeds to the church to help the poor and others, get in line. And so Ananias just kind of He didn't say anything, but you know. He's he he he's obviously giving a false impression. Amen. Integrity is seen in our actions, not just our words. Integrity comes from the Latin word integer. Integer in Latin means whole or complete. We talk about being complete in character. Uh, Obviously, math is not my forte, but in arithmetic, an integer is a whole number, not a fraction. See, some people are not wholly who they seem to be. They are not completely telling you the truth. See, if something is true, it's completely true. But a lie can be half true, partly true. Some people say, oh, I'm with you. But in their heart, part of them is saying, well, not really. That's low integrity. Amen. So in other words, people with integrity are not hypocrites. A man of integrity does what is right, even when it costs him. He does what is right, even when it costs him. I read this today. In 1925, at the U.S. Open, which is a golf tournament, you know golf, the game where you hit the little golf ball in the hole in the green. In 1925, at the U.S. Open, a golfer named Bobby Jones pulled one of his iron golf clubs out of his bag and he was, he was coming up to the ball to tap it, to hit it out of a certain patch of thick grass. And he accidentally tapped the ball, tapped it, not hit it, but tapped it, causing the ball to move slightly, which, according to the rules, calls for a one-stroke penalty. Uh, one penalty. in golf, the less uh, hits you have, you know, the better. So because he, he came up to the ball... And he accidentally just tapped it with his club. He meant to, like, hit it. That's a penalty, one stroke. But actually, no one saw him do it because he was off, like, in the thick grass on the side. But that penalty cost him the championship. When people tried to congratulate him on his good sportsmanship, he replied, that's like congratulating someone for not robbing a bank. In other words, you don't need someone to congratulate you for being honest. That's what we expect. So he was truly a man of integrity. I played golf. I mean, not very much. I mean, once in a while. My son really likes to play golf. My grandfather loved to play golf, you know. So occasionally I've been with my son or something like that. And in golf, you have to keep score. And what happens is your partner hits his ball way over there and you hit your ball way over there. So he's got to go way over there so he's not looking at you. And so like you hit it, it only went, you know, five feet, and you hit it again, only went five, and finally you hit it. So then you come and gather, okay, how many strokes did you, did, did you take? And you're tempted to have low integrity. Just put five. <laughs> Let's just make it three. <laughs> Let's see, Will Rogers was an American humorist. He said the income tax has made more liars out of the American people than golf has. Uh, you know, in Nagaland, people don't pay taxes, not, not legally. And, um, so, but in other places, you have to pay taxes. And so they say, well, how much did you make? And here we go. Uh, let's just make it five. <laughs> so you have low integrity. Hallelujah. It used to be, now, I don't know if it's like this anymore. Maybe it's not like this anymore. But it used to be that if you purchased a van in Nagaland and it was for medical purposes like you're going to use it as an ambulance then the car company would give you a discount on the van so it's amazing how many people in nagaland would somehow come up with this phony medical certificate and then drive around with like a little you know medical symbol on the back of their van And you and I both know he is not a doctor. He is not in medicine. He's just low integrity, Joe. (laughs) Amen. Then again, in America, some restaurants, I've seen this, some restaurants will have a promotional thing where they'll say, children under five or something like that, eat for free. Children, you know, that are with their families that are under five years of age, they eat for free. Guess how many Christian parents lie to the waiter? How old is the little boy? He's four. No, daddy, I'm seven. Shut up. He's four. (laughs) He's tall for his age. Hallelujah. Amen. The phone rings. The wife answers. She tells her husband, It's the office. He yells back, Tell them I'm not in low integrity. That's a lie. Now, in some businesses, some workplaces, you know, people will call in sick so they can go shopping. I have to take sick leave today. And then we see that person, you know, in the mall. We shouldn't call it sick day. We should call it lie day. Amen. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Stop running around the room now. Let's, let's settle down. So the point is, let your word be as gold. Your word is your bond. If you have integrity, people will trust you. They'll say, wait a minute, if he said it, it must be true. That's a wonderful thing, you see. That's a wonderful thing when people esteem you that way, when they say, wait a minute, if he said that's what happened, then that's it. It would be terrible... If nobody ever believes anything you say, well, she told me. Who told you? Sister Zama Zama. Oh, <clears throat> uh, forget it. <laughs> well, it's, and that is, the opposite is true. That was a terrible thing. Amen? And if you make a promise, people know he'll do it. Right? If They say, uh, can you come to my house this afternoon at 3.30 for a prayer meeting? And you say yes. And no matter what's going on that day, you look at your watch, up. Uh, Gotta go. Why? Got a prayer meeting at three thirty. Instead of like, I forgot. And then you got to make all these phony excuses. Something came up. See, I tried my level best. You just lying more. If you only tell the truth, it will force you to live a good life, a right life. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, that's being like your heavenly father. Tell me, raise your hand. When did God lie to you? Huh? When did God lie to you? Because I loved you, I lied to you. No, God never lied to you. When did God fail to keep his promise? You may think he did, but you look carefully. He has never failed. He keeps his word. Amen? So when you are like that, you are being godly. That's a marvelous thing. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. You know, maybe you don't know every verse in the Bible. I mean, who does? Maybe there's a lot of things in the Scripture you don't understand. Maybe there are things you've never experienced. But if you have godly character, I'm telling you, you can be a strong witness for the Lord. People in Nagaland, they need to see Christians who not only talk the talk but walk the walk. Now, nobody here is perfect. I said that, except Pastor Jeffy. Nobody here is perfect. All of us have failed. So maybe this whole message will kind of encourage all of us, let's say us, to have more integrity, to be more careful. Next time somebody says, hey, uh, can you swing by and pick me up tomorrow at 630? And you'll say, "Um, I can't promise that. And they'll go, huh? But that's what people of integrity do. They're careful with their promises because they know that would obligate them. Are you gonna come to our meeting Sunday night? I can't tell you, I might, but I can't promise that. People might look at you disappointed, but it's better to do that than to lie. And if you do something wrong, and we are human beings and we have failings, and somebody says, did you do that? Be honest and say, yes, I did. You know, even little children. When we first came to Nagaland, my daughter was two years old. And so, like you know, there was a mess in the bedroom where we were staying, and, and things were all scattered. And so I wa- I walked in the room, and I said, "Who did this?" And she's standing there, and she's got like you know the 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 the, the evidence in her hands. You know, she's got the, the 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 mascara you know on her fingers and the lipstick on her on her toes and everything. And the and the and who said who did this? And she said, "I don't know." And I said, did you do this? And she said, no, 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 no. <laughs> See, you know, in a sense, it was funny, but it's also wrong, right? I remember when we were traveling, my wife will remember this, years ago, we, 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 were, we were in America, we were coming back after the end of the summer, coming back to uh, Nagaland, and so we're packing up all of our suitcases. That day itself, we're gonna go to the airport and fly out. And, you know, there's only two ways to travel, first class and with children. And so, <laughs> yeah, children. So, you know, uh, they're all, you know, rambunctious and whatever. And so we're busy packing up everything. And then Ryan, who was just a little tyke, I don't know how old he was, like four or something? Two, two and a half, okay. So uh, Jeppy had all of her nail polish that she was packing in her suitcase. I guess the ladies will appreciate this. And he just on his own, you know, when children are alone in the bedroom and they're quiet, you know something's wrong. <laughs> When they're really quiet, they're up to something. He was in the bedroom alone, quiet, and he unscrewed the caps of all of these little nail polish and he poured them all in a big, big bag. This is the day we're flying out. We're flying out in a few hours. He just poured them all, just poured all of the nail polish into this big bag. So Jeppy, she's busy getting all these things ready and she walks up and she sees this colossal work of art, Picasso. (laughs) And she said, who did this? Who did this? And Ryan came forward and said, I did. Right, I did. And she said, who's gonna clean it up? And he said, I will. (laughs) He's just two years old, I will. And then she said, how are you gonna clean it up? And he said, I have no idea. (laughs) That's true, that's that's word for word what he said. But you know what? I mean, that's, that's honesty. I mean, that's honesty. Even we had to kind of laugh about that and think, well, I mean, he was being honest about it, wasn't he? So even if you do wrong, you big kids, be honest about it. Say, I did, I did wrong. People may be disappointed, but they'll appreciate your integrity. Amen? Let's all stand up to our feet. Praise God.